0: Good morning. Welcome this second Sunday after Pentecost to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. Whether you are visiting for the first time or a longtime member or somewhere in between, it's nice to see you here. A few things to remember before we begin. First, as always, as a gift to yourself and your neighbor, we invite you at this time, please, to silence your phones. Next, if you wish to receive communion from the pew, be sure, of course, to have a communable, which you can find on the narthex table. Those receiving communion at the rail, rail, we continue to observe COVID precautions, so please use sanitizer uh, before you receive. Last week on Holy Trinity Sunday, we learned about how the Christian doctrine of the Trinity is simply our way of saying God is love. Today, we move from the abstract to the practical. A mistranslation of a passage in the New Testament has prevented, in my view, generations of English-speaking Christians from truly experiencing its redemptive power. We'll uncover and correct this mistranslation, showing the effect it might have on each of us as followers of Christ. Our gathering hymn is number 556. Morning has broken in the red hymnal. Please rise now as you are able. The Lord be with you. you. Let us pray. O God, you are the source of life and the ground of our being. By the power of your Spirit, bring healing to this wounded world and raise us to the new life of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated.
1: The first reading is from the book of Hosea, chapter five, verse 15 through chapter six, verse six. Because the people have trusted in military powers and not God, God decides to withdraw from the scene until Israel acknowledges its guilt and seeks God's face. The response of the people does not acknowledge this guilt and is as fickle as fog or dew burned away quickly by the sun. God desires loyalty rather than words or meaningless deeds. A reading from the book of Hosea. I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. In their distress, they will beg my favor. Come let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has torn and he will heal us. He has struck down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? What shall I do with you, O Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew that goes away early. Therefore, I have hewn them by the prophets. I have killed them by the words of my mouth and my judgment goes forth as the light. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Word of God, word of life.
0: Ann, if I could invite you to join us for a moment. So, before we resume our service, I'd like to pray once more. Would you join me? The Lord be with you. Holy God, in the midst of really scary and difficult situations like this, we give you thanks for helping break Susan's fall. We give you thanks for the healthcare workers who have already begun to Uh, treat her and to treat her kindly and to help restore her uh, and to help her heal. We ask that you help us do the same, that you help us step up to be uh, near Susan as she recovers from this incident. Be with her, be with the medical workers, be with us all. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: The second reading is from Romans 4 verses 13 to 25. The promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and promise is void, for the law brings wrath. But where there is no law, neither is there violation. the things that do not exist. Hoping against hope, he believed that he could become father of many nations, according to what was said, so numerous shall be your descendants. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was already as good as dead, for he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Therefore his faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now the words, it was reckoned to him, were written not for his sake alone, but for ours also. It was reckoned to us to believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was handed over to the death for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Word of God, word of life. Please rise for the reading of the Gospel.
0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. While he was saying these things to them, suddenly a leader of the synagogue came in and knelt before him saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus got up and followed him with his disciples. Then suddenly a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be made well. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, "'Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well.'" And instantly, the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the leader's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, "'Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping.'" And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, He went in and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. And the report of this spread throughout that district. The gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God, the creator, from God, the healer, from God, the sustainer. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Does your faith as a Christian primarily concern itself with this life and how we live it? Does your faith compel you to seek new life in the here and now? Or do you see this life as Rick Warren does, the famous pastor of the Southern California Saddleback Church, primarily as quote a rehearsal for trillions and trillions of years with God, one where you and I as Christians will spend eternity in the divine presence. Of course, I know what some of you might be thinking. It's both, but that's not the question I'm asking. I want to know what serves as the primary focus of your faith. Is it choosing life in the words of Deuteronomy 30 before God on this side of the grave or is faith for you primarily about going to heaven on the other side of the grave so here or hereafter which is the focus primarily of your faith now I ask these questions not to torture you or to give you a Sunday morning headache. I ask them because they pertain directly to our readings for today. Let's start with the gospel. Here Jesus is criticized for the company he keeps, for associating with tax collectors and sinners. These groups were the marginalized, the outcasts of society. They were regarded in the case of tax collectors with suspicion. They were regarded in the case of sinners with condemnation and judgment. Next we hear about the synagogue leader who asks Jesus to bring his daughter back to life. And before Jesus can respond, however, we learn of a woman who has been hemorrhaging, which is to say she's been bleeding for 12 years, who grasps the fringes of his cloak. It's a desperate act of faith or trust in Jesus' healing power. And it works. It works. Her faith, Jesus confirms, has made her well. After that, finally, Jesus brings the synagogue's leader, the synagogue leader's daughter back to life. Now, if I look back on a day like that, I'd say to myself, I did a pretty good job. (laughs) Brought somebody back from the dead, uh, healed a woman who had been suffering a malady for 12 years, and reintegrated outsiders into a new community of fellowship. Now, it's easy to isolate these stories. The first Jesus redefines community by making outsiders insiders. Or the second, Jesus restores a woman's health. Or the third, Jesus gives new life to a young girl. But the Gospel of Matthew, I believe, keeps them together for a reason. Each of these stories belongs to a broader pattern of Jesus' ministry, one where his actions his teachings, and his acts of healing, which is the most common miracle in the New Testament, all characterize the emerging kingdom God has sent Jesus, God's ambassador, to bring about. Here outsiders, again sinners and tax collectors, are reintegrated into the community from which they had been ostracized, turning the status quo upside down. Here people who are sick or broken are restored in body, mind, and spirit. And here new life, new life appears such that even death momentarily loses its grip. Jesus the physician has come to bring life where is that Jesus in popular American religious discourse? Jesus the physician has come to bring life, to heal not only what our hymn of the day refers to as our sin sick souls, but society itself as evident in the revolutionary act of a rabbi sitting with sinners and tax collectors. Now let's return to our question. When Jesus says to the bleeding woman, your faith has made you well, he clearly affirms salvation in the present tense. The faith Jesus praises did not concern itself with life after death. The focus instead was on healing in this life The restorative power God makes available to each of us through Jesus the Christ, here and now. We see the same thing in Romans 4, our second reading for today. Take a look, if you'd like, at verse 17. Verse 17. There the Apostle Paul, the most widely read author in in the history of Western civilization, Can you imagine that if somebody was reading your emails? That's what we're reading here, correspondence, Paul wrote to build up the various communities in Christ throughout Asia Minor. There Paul affirms using Abraham's absolute trust in God as an example, the healing power or benefits of faith in the here and now. The saving power of faith in the here and now. God gives life to the dead for those who trust in God as Abraham did, says Paul. Faith of this caliber not only moves mountains, it moves prophets like Hosea in our first reading to declare in the midst of despair and defeat, in the midst of catastrophe and loss, in the dwindling numbers of Israel and perhaps in the dwindling numbers of church today, that God will restore God's people, not after they die, but in this life. It not only moves mountains or prophets, it also moves patriarchs, as we see with Abraham. Take a look, if you will, at verses 20 through 21 in our second reading. Our translation says, and normally I don't I don't challenge the New Revised Standard Version. I do have problems, as you know, with the NIV, but I don't typically have problems with our translation. Today, however, is an exception. It says, "...no distrust made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, being convinced that God was able to do what God had promised." Abraham grew strong in his faith, according to our translation. The New Testament Greek, however, says something different. And this blew me away. Instead of indicating Abraham grew strong in his faith, it says he was empowered by his faith. He was empowered by his faith, the glory of which went to God. His faith, in other words, made him well. Now, wait a minute, Pastor, a few of you might be thinking. (laughs) I agree that faith calls us to a new way of life, or to new life itself. And I agree that faith can carry us through dark times and restore us, especially after the experience, say, of major loss, And I even agree, can't believe I agree with you on three points, Pastor, but I even agree. The focus of today's reading centers on the restorative power, the healing and renewal that faith can bring to us on this side of the grave. But what about a passage like Romans 10, 9, where Paul says, If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Doesn't that mean that Christian faith, while having some implications for life on this side of the grave, is ultimately about the next? Here I submit things get especially interesting. Remember what Jesus says to the woman who touched his cloak? Your faith, better translated, your trust has made you well. Your trust has made you well. Well, Paul in Romans nine uses the same Greek words for belief, or rather faith in this case, and being made well. Most translations like ours render them, instead of faith and being made well, belief and salvation. So again, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised, you will be saved. The Greek words, on the other hand, suggest another translation. And Paul here uses the same Greek words we see in Matthew's gospel for today. Let me uh, modify Romans 10, 9 accordingly. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and trust, trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be made well. You hear that? This isn't some far off prize. You will be made well now. Trusting your future lies in God's hands will free you to live in the present and empower you, as it did for Abraham, to face your trials. There is saving power, in other words, in faith itself. And we pray for that healing power, that saving power, of course, in uh, terms of what happened with Susan earlier. Dear friends in Christ... Do you see how a few words could change your life or at least modify your faith? Instead of believing in order to be saved, you are invited to trust in order to be empowered and healed. That healing, that salvation may well extend beyond the grave to be sure. But just imagine if, like the cloak of Christ you could reach out for it in this life and experience its healing, saving, restorative powers now. And so, we return to the question with which we began. Does your faith as a Christian primarily concern itself with God's promises of new life and healing on this side of the grave? Or do you seek solace primarily in the life of the world to come? Where does the accent fall for you? The answer is yours to ponder. Amen. are able as we confess the words of our faith in the apostles creed i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth i believe in jesus christ God's so- For the prayers of the church, we invite you to be seated or kneel, whichever your preference.
2: Trusting in God's abundant mercy, let us offer our prayers for a world in need. We pray, O God, for the church. Unite us with any on the margins that the whole world recognizes that your mercy is greater than our human capacity to restrict it. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray, O God, for creation. Help us preserve forests and fields, streams and rivers, lakes and oceans. Send rain where it is needed and renew the face of land scorched by wildfires. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray, O God, for the nations. Make our leaders compassionate toward people who have felt forgotten or neglected. Inspire policies that promote equity and inclusion. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray, O God, for all who are in need. Accompany anyone enduring chronic illness, any who suffer in secret, and those grieving a loved one's death. Send healing for all who plead for relief from sickness or pain. Lord, in your mercy. We We pray, O God, for an end to hatred. On this week when we commemorate the Emmanuel Nine, we implore you to cast out the demons of white supremacy that make us believe lies about ourselves and our neighbors. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. for whom or what else do the people of God pray?
0: God of loving-kindness, we pray that you bless each person present here today, that you accompany them in their joys and sorrows, that you empower them with faith in the face of trials, and that you give them a spirit of goodwill toward others. We pray as well for the family of Dan, for Matt's mother, Jeannie upon her cancer diagnosis, for Shirley's friend Judy, for Georgianne's sister Susan, for Patty's niece, Eliza, for Jackie, for Chris, for the father of Athena, for the family of Christine, for the family of Georgianne, for Kara's friend, Lena, and Lena's brother, Ivor, for the Richie family, for Richard Weeks, for Eunice, for Matthew, for John's friend, for Jessica and Jennifer, for Pat recovering from surgery, for Donna, Kathleen, for Finley, for Kirsty, Awatash Mulagetta, for Jan, Jean, Richard, Barb, Denny, Hildy, Mary, Carol, and Susan, that you send your restorative powers to her, that you make her well. Lord, in your mercy. our prayer.
2: We give thanks, O oh God, for all the saints who gave witness to the restoration of life before their lives came to an end. Renew our faith in the promise of the resurrection, here and in the life of the world to come. Lord, in your mercy.
0: Hear our prayer.
2: Receive our prayers and answer us, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
0: Please rise as you are able. The peace of Christ be with you always. Let us share that peace. Please rise or remain standing as you are able. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your heart. Give thanks to the Lord our God. It God It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and Merciful God. As we prepare our hearts for this holy meal, let us pray the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. forgive us our sins. as we forgive those who against us. Save us from the time of trial deliver us Martin Luther says that the resurrection is not written in books alone, but in every leaf of springtime. Indeed, God fills all things in Christ, yet he comes to us in a special way here where he has been promised, in a loving, consoling, and forgiving way, through the bread and the wine. For those of you coming forward to receive communion, if you wish a blessing in place, you may certainly do so by crossing your arms Uh, For those of you who are communing from your seats, I invite you at this time, please, to take out your communable and follow my lead. Come and taste the joy of God. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. You may be seated. Please rise as you are able for our post-communion prayer. Gracious God, in you we live, move, and have our being. With your word and this meal of grace, you have nourished our life together. Strengthen us, empower us, heal us to show your love and serve the world in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Good morning once more, I imagine the same is the case uh, for all of you, this morning is not what I expected. I have an idea. What I'd like to do is uh, put out a couple of cards that I can get in the office after and invite you as Susan's family of faith to sign that card, maybe with a nice note. I will then uh, go pick up flowers and take the cards with me to visit her at Northwest Hospital today. Yes. Oh, I will visit her at Harborview instead. Thank you, Jan. If anybody would like to join me, you are certainly welcome to do so. Again, I'll have those cards available in the Narthex for you to sign after the service. We have a number of things happening uh, in our uh, church life. I want to highlight just a few of them. First, today after the service, we have our final forum, Topics for the New Year. This is where we get your feedback, where we get what you wanna discuss, what you wanna hear about, and use that to plan out next year's forum calendar. So please, join us for that discussion. If you're unable to attend, I invite you to email me or Carol Ann, the uh, Committee Chair of Christian Education, with your suggestions of what we might cover in the coming year. Next, we have the return of our, of our all-church summer picnic, but. We need more volunteers, in particular volunteers to fire up the grill and, uh, uh, and make that possible. So there are sign-up sheets in the Narthex. Please give that your consideration. Without you, there is no return of the all-church summer picnic next week coming to a theater near you. Uh, New Horizons uh, dinner date coming up soon. Please make a note of it. A garden work party on the 22nd. The new quill is out. And finally, for our teenagers, if you know of any, if you know of parents who might wish to encourage their uh, teenagers to attend, we have uh, Fun, Friends, and Food with Project Phoenix. That information is listed on page 11 of your bulletin. There are additional announcements I won't highlight here, but I do want to say that as I greet you on the way out, or if I greet you on the way out, uh, I would love to hear uh, where the emphasis or accent of your faith lies and what difference that makes in your life. We'll conclude there. Please rise now as you are able for the blessing. Jesus, the physician, has healed us to return to a world that is broken and in need of healing itself. God blesses you accordingly. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. are sending him as go my children with my blessing number 543